Turning to our book review, and it's a very interesting book, um, and, and believe you me, it is, it is essential for us to sort of delve into this part of, of, of what we're going to be chatting about uh, next. Holding the Knife's Edge, uh, Journeys of Black Female Scientists. It is a book written uh, to showcase the achievements of black female scientists in South Africa. The goal is to provide young scientists with inspirational, positive mentors, that would share the tools they use to sort of build their successful careers in STEM. Uh, Dr. Tatu Motlalami and Dr. Evodia Sitati, scientists based in Stellenbosch, have launched the book that follows the journeys of 14 award-winning and pioneering black women in science uh, from their childhood and education to their arrival in the upper echelons of various organizations and the recognition they've received for outstanding contributions. A very good morning to you, Dr. Tatu Motlalami, and of course a very good morning to Dr. Yvodia Setati uh, on the line with me this morning. Good morning. Good morning. And Dr. Tatu Motlalami, um, very good morning to you. This is, this is one of the key things, and uh, I mean, you are both uh, women in the world of science. Tell us a little bit about what you do specifically. Um, as a postdoctoral, morning Zane firstly, um, as a postdoctoral fellow at Stellenbosch University, I work in a research group, uh, work together with Evoda in a research group that studies the microbial ecology in the grape um, vineyards. So that's basically in a nutshell what, what I do as a postdoctoral fellow. What, is, what has led the two of you to actually write this particular big book? Where did that idea come from and where did you say, let's look at it and let's look at black women in science? Because, you know, science is a very male-dominated field. It has been for many, many years. And then also uh, it's, a, it's a very dominated field in terms of other people, but specifically black women in science. So what made you look at this? Well, if I met Evodia when I joined the um, the university for my PhD in 2014. So over the years, we've developed um, a relationship. At some point, she was also my um, coach, my professional coach. And during a lot of our sessions, I expressed to her the, the need or the lack of visibility of women who look like me, who are doing, who are very successful in different spheres of science, so that who, who I could emulate and get, gain more life lessons from on how I can develop my career in science. And when over the over the several conversations we've had, she actually said that if this 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 is a need that's probably not shared just by you, and instead of just answering the once off question and showing you many successful women, why don't we put together a book that can be shared to young people at different schools, at different levels of education, families that can read this book to say, okay, fine, in in science, these are the careers that are available to you. But at the same time, these are the people, the black women who have led the way. And this is how they've actually developed their careers and, and have achieved success. So we wanted to answer the question or the need that I had, but answer it for many more women or many more young people to have access to these mentors, like you had mentioned in your introductory comments. 
chatting this morning um, about the book called Holding the Knife's Edge, Journeys of Black Female Scientists, and uh, chatting there to Dr. Tatu Motlalami, a postdoctoral fellow at uh, Stellenbosch University, and now chatting to chief researcher at Stellenbosch University, Dr. Evodia Satati. Did you ever wish, Doctor, that, uh, first of all, good morning to you and welcome to Cape Talk. Did you wish that there was a book around like this while you were studying? Um, yes, uh, good morning. So um, between the two of us, I'm the most senior. I actually, I got my PhD in 2002. Uh, my first arrival in Stellenbosch was in 1996. Uh, and uh, I arrived to a world where I was the only black female um, in, in, in the department. And at that time, there were actually very few black people at Stellenbosch University. I think most people can imagine and understand that. So I built my career as a solo <laughs> performer in a way. Mm. So I had to fight my battles myself. Um, I started my career when I started working at University of the Free State. And now I'm back at Stellenbosch. So my choice of institutions is quite interesting because I, I was always alone uh, and, uh, you know, surrounded by mostly white male, as, as you, you said. Um, and so, yes, I do wish that there were examples when I was coming up through the ranks. Um, and, you know, because I think it, it helps a lot to have somebody who shares your your challenges and can help you, you know, uh, traverse through through the challenges. So I think, yes, I do wish that there were some examples, some people to confide in and, you know, a mentor to, to guide you along. Uh, this is not to say that I didn't have, but for instance, one of my mentors was uh, Professor Babel Han Hegedal, who I had met in Sweden. And that's, so this is a white Swedish uh, woman mm. in South Africa. I didn't have examples for myself who I could really lean on. Mm. Chatting this morning to Dr. Evodia Satati, Chief Researcher at Stellenbosch University. We're chatting about a very interesting book holding up 14 different journeys of 14 different uh, award-winning and pioneering black women in science. And we are chatting about this particular book as an example and as a reason and, uh, you know, to promote and get more people interested. Uh, Doctor, why is it so important to encourage the youth to take an active interest in STEM? Well, I think if if we think about where we are in South Africa today, we, we have a big challenge in the sense that a lot of young people shy away from, from STEM. Young people find that mathematics, for instance, is a challenge for them. They think it's hard, uh, but you can't really do sciences, engineering, any technological subjects without mathematics. So they shy away from that. They run to other subjects, which is, is a shame in a way, because if you look in the history of Africa itself, mathematics is in our culture, it's ingrained. We gave birth to mathematics. We gave birth to a lot of um, sci- scientific uh, you know, pioneering inventions. And we should take pride in that and we need to encourage young people to say, how can you take us into the future? Today, people talk about the fourth industrial revolution. If we do not have young people who are confident in STEM subjects, how do we then, you know, leap into the fourth industrial revolution? And I think it's important for us to understand that to to invent 
and innovate things that are relevant to our needs on the continent. We need young people that invest time and energy into the STEM subjects. Mm. Chatting this morning to Dr. Evodia Satati and Dr. Tato Mutlalami, uh, postdoctoral fellow at uh, Salambosh University, and chatting about the journey of 14 people that you highlight in your book. Um, tell us, uh, Doctor, very, very quickly, Dr. Tato, um, one of your, one or two of your favorite people in this book. Wow, it's very difficult to pick one or two of my favorites because many women in the book <laughs> have different, um, they've got, their stories speak to me in different ways. But for a woman like uh, Professor Manzai Diale, who had several breaks in her career trajectory until she got to the level she's at right now, she had to go into, she, firstly, her, her academic... Have... Sorry, uh, continue. Uh, firstly, her academic um, uh, her schooling career was interrupted by the 1976 um, riots. But then you know, she 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 found a way to get into university. She broke from university to go and work, start a family, come back into university. So she had so many um, stumbling blocks, if you want to call them that. But she still focused on the vision that she had in physics and especially in solar energy. And today she's achieving a lot of the dreams that she had as a child for herself as a young person, despite being told that we cannot think in three dimensions and therefore we cannot do physics. She decided, she rebuked that and said, there's no way that you can tell me I can't do math and physics because I know I can, I'm capable. So that fighting spirit speaks to me the most in, in a woman like Professor Mansai Diale. Mm. And and it's that particular spirit that we need to um, teach our young kids these days is is the fact that, you know what, we've all come through those challenges. We've all come yes. through those difficult times. We all had our obstacles, but at the end of the day, we we didn't expect things to be given to us. We didn't expect things to happen to us. We worked for a university degree. Um, I myself studied for, for eight years. Um, part time, I was teaching, and then you know, afternoon classes. I st- I studied in uh, for that in part time. Where do we start getting children interested in STEM, doctor? Because the thing is, is that we cannot start uh, getting them interested after matric. We need to start a lot earlier. That isn't it, sir? Exactly. I think we need to start already in primary school. By the time they get to grade ten. Most of them have already, most young people have already developed an attitude, positive or negative, towards um, science and maths. So we need to get them um, interested at a very young age in primary school to show them that science is actually all around them. For them to have plants that grow in mommy's garden and daddy's garden, for the cell phones that they play, all the games that they play on, that is science and technology at play in their daily lives. So they need to, we need to get them more curious about how this is happening. Why can I just quickly play this game? How, what is the coding behind it? Um, why are plants growing and why do certain plants grow better in certain areas? Those types of curiosities, if we ingrain them at a very young age and really tell kids that there's no such thing as a hard subject. I think sometimes as adults, you, you, we program children to think that science and math is hard, but it's some of the comments that we make, or, oh, no, that is too hard. And we give them uh, unconsciously permission to 
be scared of subjects that they shouldn't be. So if a, if a child is having problems in science and maths, encourage them to keep trying, to keep, to keep trying and practicing. So primary school age is, I think, where we need to start getting them. And that is our next project, to adapt our book to, a primary, to, to younger kids because to, to show them that a representation of women who look a lot more like them and say that when you think of a scientist, you don't think of Einstein in a white lab coat. You can actually think of people who look like your mommy and your daddy and are doing great work in, 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 this, in these fields. Dr. Tatu Motlalami and um, postdoctoral fellow at uh, Stellenbosch University, Dr. Um, Ivodia Sitati, who is the chief researcher at Stellenbosch University. Should we be t- not teaching these subjects at school, doctor? Should we not be teaching children um, coding at school? Should we not be teaching them, for instance, just a simple thing of Lego and technology at school? Dr. Evodia? Um Yes, definitely we should. And, um, you know, the tools to teach young people, I think, are very much at our fingertips. Uh, and and it's a shame, I think, in on the African continent, there are countries that are actually already leading, you know, countries like Rwanda, countries like Uganda. Uh, if you think back to when you were growing, you grabbed at every little tool. If you didn't have a ball, you, you, you grabbed something, you created a ball. And I think that the invention is within us. You could make a car. And that's the same thing with the newest technologies. Kids grasp onto these technologies very quickly and teaching them at schools is where we should begin. We should get them excited about these things from a very young age. And it's very simple. When, when SpaceX was launching, um, you know, uh, a, a few months ago, I think it, it probably was three months ago when it was launching a rocket into space, that, that's where you take a child and you put them next to you yeah. and you say, look at the rocket being launched. You know the CEO is a South African person. This is what has to be done behind the scenes for that rocket to be there and to get them excited and to have teachers going into discussions and then saying, okay, this is the language that has to be used to, to, to teach or to, to let that rocket be launched. This is the messaging that yeah. has to be done, and it's coding, mm. and this is how it works. Yeah. I think we need to get our youngsters interested. Dr. Evodia and Dr. Tatu, thank you so much for your time this morning. Much appreciated, and uh, we hope that you have a fantastic Sunday. Thank, thank you for having you. us on your so show. Much. Thank you.